This podcast may contain explicit language and themes, so listener discretion is advised. Ill-advised, misinformed, our half-baked opinions will be performed. Are you ready? Is the mic on? Welcome to the Hill to Die On. Yeah, so I forgot to set Audacity to pick up my actual podcasting mic. Absolute amateur hour here. I'm sorry. I'm not doing it again. This episode of A Hill to Die On is a little bit different. First of all, it's just me, Josie. Second of all, I'm here with a guest who I'll introduce shortly. And lastly, I've already picked a hill, researched it, died upon it, and I hope to coax others onto this hill with me. Hope you enjoy. So today's topic is, do scared straight programs prevent crime? And to chat about it with me is Joe Kasabian. Joe is a student of genocide studies, an author, hosts the podcast Lions Led by Donkeys, and most importantly for today's episode, grew up broke as shit in Detroit, Michigan, <laughs> and has had <laughs> and has had first-hand experience with scared straight crime prevention strategies. So, hey Joe, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm glad that growing up very poor in Detroit uh, is finally, like, I can add that to my resume. It's actually helped you in this one very specific <laughs> Shout out to my high school for being terrible and in uh, exposing me to this. I think this will be a good episode. Our lives parallel in a bunch of ways. Grew up poor, have shit dad syndrome and <laughs> brain damage. But instead of, you know, I locked myself in my room and was quite introverted, whereas it sounds like you were a bit of a rat bag growing up. I, I don't think I've ever heard that one before, but yeah, absolutely. I, I was a little bit of a piece of shit. <laughs> Oh, you've never heard rap bag? I've never heard rap bag. I have a feeling I'm going to learn, uh, like, because I, I listen to a few Australian podcasts who include yours. So, like, every time I every time I listen to it, I'm like, I learned a new word today. <laughs> okay, you'll be fluent. You'll be an honorary Australian shortly, which is not something you can do. <laughs> um, so, to get us started, can you tell me what you know of scared straight programs in general? Um, I know they, I mean, they're, they're supposed to work on terror, right? Uh, there's scare kids who are quote unquote high risk, uh, of entering the system or in my school's case, we were all pretty much already in, you know, the system being that, uh, you know, in the U S we have, you know, juvenile programs, adult programs, and sometimes they, they mold together. I was getting picked up and doing stu- stupid stuff from 12 was my first run in with the cops. Uh, so I had a pretty extensive record. You know, the the goal is not to address any underlying problems that come with a disadvantaged youth getting involved in crime or doing whatever they do, uh, doing hood rat shit, uh, and instead just attempting to scare them out of the process of going to prison or, or, or juvie. Normally it's jail. Like they took us to the jail. Like it was Wayne County Jail, uh, which is the, the county that covers Detroit. And, you know, just have... We had like specific inmates they had chosen to be the biggest and scariest, uh, but like it, it, it's terror. Like your whole instead of fixing any of the underlying problems, like you just like this is so terrible, you should never come here. And it's like if I had a fucking choice, I wouldn't. <laughs> like, mate, I probably wouldn't even be in Detroit, <laughs> right? And your specific case would be like my family fucking were like <laughs> targeted for genocide. Like, if I had a choice, I would not speak English. 
and like not to mention, it doesn't work because obviously, you know, uh, poverty and crime and all these other things are certainly a generational problem and a systemic and institutional problem. So like, almost all of us had family that were in that jail. <laughs> so it's oh, like, that's how you got to visit Pa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like they they knew my dad. Yeah, and like this is not a small town. Like this is not no. a small jail. Like this is. I don't know. Probably almost a thousand people can fit in that jail, whether it's comfortably or not. But like, you know, Detroit is a city of probably half a million people, maybe less than that now. So like the fact that like, oh, Kasabian. Yeah, we know that name because your dad's always in here. (laughs) Like, all right. Cool. Yeah. Pop me in there with him. Why not? (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you basically nailed it, that they work on terror. Scared straight programs are a method of crime prevention with this pretty simple concept, which is why it's so popular. At risk, children are taken to facilities where they're exposed to the realities of prison life. Often they'll engage in hostile experiences with incarcerated people and correctional officers. And by the time they leave, they are so frightened that they have just decided as rational children to (laughs) desist from a life of crime. Crime is absolutely known to be an individual's problem. And scared straight programs can also include military-style boot camps since they kind of operate under the same theoretical basis of deterrent. But mostly when I say scare straight programs, I'm talking about the prison-based ones. They were more popular in the 80s and late 90s. They're still implemented internationally today, but there's less oversight and evaluations than ever. The most well-known scared straight program is the one that's featured in the documentary Scared Straight, released in 1978. Then they had a 20-year follow-up release in 1999. And then from 2011 to 2015, the show Beyond Scared Straight went on to become A&E's highest rated program in history. Oh, God. Yeah, I had no clue until like I started doing my assignment on this. I was like, oh, cool. We just really love seeing black kids being abused, don't we? And that's like, that's deeply, that's something that A&E is really into. That's like one of three jail-based shows that they have. And like, I don't know if other countries have this, but you know, the US, we have jail and prison, um, where jail is, if you're accused of crimes, you go while you're awaiting trial and you're too poor to afford bail. And that is generally where they send uh, the scared straight things. Uh, If they send scared straight to prison, that's... That's ballsy, uh, because Amer- American prisons are just a horror show. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, they definitely utilize prisons, which are kidding too shortly. Oh, my God. Yeah, so in these alleged documentaries, you witness children being forced to strip search, being moved throughout the facility, and they're met with hostile behavior, including threats of physical violence and rape. And often, um, I was watching a few clips of Beyond Scared Straight before um, I called you. These inmates are straight up manhandling these children. So it's actual abuse. Like, you can't say and do these things to children in a normal setting without it being a crime. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw one. I mean, I, I might be wrong. I did not watch every episode of Beyond Scared Straight in preparation for this. But I do remember them locking a child into a restraint chair. Oh, What? Yeah, and you know, for people who are unaware of what a restraint chair is, I'm pretty sure it's illegal in a lot of places. Uh, like it's a chair that you are sat down in, and there is straps for your chest, wrists, and ankles, and they can leave you in there for hours. People have died in these things, and like you see people often going wild in them because you're fucking flight or fight. Um, right, you know, system is kicking in. What do you expect? And if they're kids as well, like. It's just little baby brain. So based on the readings I've done, 
it seems as though the earliest trial of a scan straight program was used in 1969 in Michigan, where you were from. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so before I get upon my soapbox once more and dive further into the history of scan straight programs and their efficacy, would you care to talk about your experiences, what you know anecdotally of going through these prisons? Like, do you have much of a memory and how did they sort of target you for them? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I went, I think the last time I was probably 16 years old and like we went almost yearly. Uh, normally, these are like, <laughs> yeah, like I, I know in most places, like your parents have to sign you up for it or like it's a diversionary program uh, if once you get right. picked up for spray painting whatever or doing drugs or something but our school just like trotted us over there like it was a field trip oh my god and and our schools were bad um obviously this is not the children's fault they're children uh there's institutional failures all the way down uh i think that the department of the american department of education called my school district a dropout factory Jesus Christ, you're not going to do anything about that? <laughs> oh, no, they still haven't. Uh, and I am in my mid-30s now. And there was, I, I think it was maybe more than 10% of children who did graduate uh, were functionally illiterate. Uh, so like, yep. yeah, so it's, it's just systemic failures. I mean, it's, it's fucking Detroit. People know Detroit for a reason. But they would they'd bring us to uh, Wayne County Jail, which is a massive super villain looking structure um outside like there's uh there's actually i think there's more than one jail now but we went to the one in the city we would be verbally abused by uh guards uh by chosen inmates i'm sure that was like their job in the jail was like you're big and se- and loud so we'll pay you 25 cents to go yell at the kids or whatever into the i'm sure it was very entertaining for them it, it was weird because like i know like growing up the way that you grow up when you are from a place like that like being yelled at by cops and people doesn't really intimidate you because that's just your existence mm-hmm. like you're used to state violence you're you're used to getting jumped you're used to being verbally accosted by random people in the street so like it wasn't as traumatic as it was for like a lot of people uh, because in, in some situations they're bringing like 12 year olds in there. Oh yeah. And uh, granted no child should have to go through that. But like, you know, w- once you've sustained a certain amount of trauma, things like that aren't the, aren't the worst thing you're going to deal with in your everyday life. But you know, there was some people that that was absolutely not the case and you know, they're just being verbally accosted. I mean, they're allowed to touch you. The guards are not like I, I never got hit. Oh. But, like, they could move you around. They transport you in handcuffs. They put you in cells. Uh, they f- they feed you horrible jail food. Wait, so how did this go on for? Like, like how long was this program? It was an all-day activity. Uh, I, like, I know some, some places they make you stay overnight. Uh, but thankfully, that wasn't what oh I went God. through. Yeah, it was like, it's this, it's this semester. It's time to send all the kids to jail. Yeah, they didn't send everybody, but most kids. And they did require permission slip from your parents, which... Of my mom signed because admittedly like because like I was a little shit of course my mom's gonna sign that right right and I mean like it, it, the school is telling you that this is good for you and you know my mom is you know in her 70s almost so of course she probably believed getting scared is all I needed but like obviously I, I mean I'm 33 now this happened when I was like 13 through 16 so I mean I remember it of course <laughs> Yeah, I think that's really interesting what you said, though, like a history of trauma. Of course, you're going to remember it, but, you know, it's maybe not as startling as it would be for other kids because there were absolutely children who went into these things from different backgrounds to us. And that would be a very, very different experience for them. So when it comes to the history, we know that 
scared straight programs have existed in some capacity since at least the late 60s. But the first program that kind of came into the public consciousness was the Juvenile Awareness Project developed by a group of incarcerated people called the Lifers. Um, and this was at Railway Prison in New Jersey in 1976. So definitely a prison, definitely most of them murdered people. The program developed by these lifers, it was a sincere effort to keep kids out of trouble. Like kind of what you were saying before about your mom. Like I don't doubt that parents thought that this was the best thing for their kid. Yeah, so the lifers believed that if children understood the realities of prison, then it would have a deterring effect on their behavior going forward. Initially, this project brought kids who were labeled at risk through the prison. They would be shown the facility and then the kids would engage with the lifers in what was more of a sort of big brother capacity, like more of a sort of just chatting to each other about life experiences and why they should change their behaviors and stuff like that. But they had to change away from this because they found that purposefully reoffended so they could go back to prison because they liked the company of the incarcerated people. You know, most people in situations that are going to end up in this program because they have a record probably come from broken homes. They have relationship problems. They have emotional and physical trauma. And like for a lot of them, like this wasn't my experience. These, the, the, in my experience, these guys were not like, let's rap. Um, you know, that, yeah. <laughs> that ship had sailed by then, but like I could absolutely see why kids would want to go back. Like, no, like this uh, father figure or a mentor sat me down and like treated me like I was a person for like the first mm-hmm. time in my life. So like, because yeah, before then you're getting yelled at by guards, you're getting harassed by cops, your teachers treat you like shit. Nobody wants to help you. But this guy, this guy inside does. Uh, and like to be yeah. to be fair, the, pe- the, the people who yelled at me in, in the jail also probably thought they were helping. Yeah. So I, I absolutely, I don't want to make it sound like I am blaming the incarcerated people for this. <laughs> oh, no, no. Like, basically, all of the literature I've read as well, like, no one blames incarcerated people. It's like, you, you're trying, like, you know, like, they're victims in their own, in their own way as well. They've been let down too by the system. So, sorry, I've just opened a beer, so I, I'm going to have to edit so many fucking burps out. Um, <laughs> Leave them in. Leave in the burps. <laughs> Leave <laughs> the burps. That's what the people want. The, the the people demand burp. I've actually got a fucking file of like burps and farts that we picked up. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! I bet my producer has one of those. I hope my producer has one of those. <laughs> Compromise. Publish the fart tape. <laughs> Publish the fart cut. People are going to pay me for that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, so after they were finding that these kids were coming back when they were being treated by human beings for the first time in their lives, they decided to change tactics and that's when this like hostile approach. So what you experienced stemmed from this deliberate change into trying to scare. So at this point, and this was what was seen in the 1978 documentary Scares Straight. Uh, Have you watched that one at all? I did not know there was one from that long ago. Like, uh, oh, until yeah. you told me, I thought this was newer than that. <laughs> well, at so? the very least, at the very least, I didn't think they'd be turning into content, right? <laughs> like <laughs> Exactly. Like, I keep accidentally going to use your own podcast catchphrase. Oh, and it gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when it fits, it fits. <laughs> it does. This documentary, created by Arnold Shapiro, who I will talk about later, was incredibly popular upon release. 
it had a perfect narrative structure. These kids come in damaged, at risk, there was a lot of conflict, and at the end, choose to you know, desist from crime. And it was also released into like a social and political climate that was like gagging for a simple, cheap, tough on crime solution to like the folk devil that is delinquent youth. Oh yeah, we're super predators. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Fucking, yeah, kids are both at once innocent, but also capable of, you know, criminal responsibility. And at the time that this Scared Straight documentary was released, the moral panic around an out-of-control youth was really ramping up. Reagan was only a few years off coming into his presidency, and a neoliberal approach to policy that emphasized individual responsibility was super appealing to many people. Policymakers were attracted to a solution to crime that allayed the fears of the broader public while letting them off the hook to address structural inequalities behind crime. So if you can just say, look, all of this work I'm doing to address the youth crime problem that you're scared of, here it is, and also add a few cents to like the commissary for these prisoners who aren't doing anything anyway. Oh, God, of course. I mean, the more the more you explain this, like, this is just fucking Michigan. I mean, great, it's, <laughs> it's also the United States. Like, of course, America, the grand champion at one thing that is ignoring systemic problems. But, like... This is like this is Michigan in like 2021 even. Like there's a oh reason why I never fucking moved back. <laughs> yeah, true. It's like and, it, it's a sleeper candidate for the worst fucking state in the country. Everybody likes yeah. to ignore it because like Florida exists. Right, yes. <laughs> so the initial documentary was met with such great reception that it won both Academy and Emmy awards. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and like if you ever get the chance to watch it, it's so dog shit like i can't believe it but everyone was watching it like oh my god we finally we're gonna fix crime guys yeah cool by threatening children with rape i love that <laughs> we're gonna fix crime by screaming at children yeah yep <laughs> we did it yeah it doesn't work at home but it works in prison cool <laughs> in the year following the release of the scared straight documentary over thirteen thousand children had been through the railway juvenile awareness project alone so just that one project in that one prison, over 13,000 children. Um, I couldn't find numbers. Holy shit. Yeah, I couldn't find numbers talking about like globally what that was. And the documentary would eventually directly influence 38 states in the USA to create their own scared street program. But even from the outset, it had its skeptics. A year after the release of the scared straight documentary, there was a congressional inquiry into scared straight program. The claims made in the documentary were questioned with testimony from the National Center of Institutions and Alternatives, or NCIA, explicitly stating that although the documentary claimed a success rate of around 90%, this was both unprecedented and difficult to believe. Yeah, that doesn't sound like anything I would call science. Yeah, it's not, it's it's 99% effective. It is the ivermectin of jails. It, it, is, it is the, you know, the fucking electoral result of a dictator version <laughs> of crime prevention like <laughs> it doesn't happen <laughs> Assad came up with this great scared straight program <laughs> take your kids down to Palestine branch oof, oof. <laughs> <laughs> so the NCIA noted that the children in the documentary were presented as being repeat high risk offenders when this wasn't true um, they actually had a variety of backgrounds they noted that the documentary was very careful in choosing children from a variety of racial backgrounds which honestly surprised me 
I think they were very aware of like the representation of, of black and indigenous people within the justice system. I'm honestly kind of shocked that they even addressed that. Like it's the 60s, right? Like late 70s at this point. Okay, yeah, like the. the <laughs> Like, no, we know prisons are racist, but we can't let everybody else know the reasons. Right. It's it's such it's such fucked up thinking. Like you know that these things are problems because you're kind of addressing it but in the wrong way. Address it in the most American way possible by <laughs> pretending to be colorblind. Exactly. Oh my fucking god, you're so right. The NCIA noted that the documentary was careful in choosing children from a variety of racial backgrounds, but concerns were raised that in reality, these programs would disproportionately harm Black and Indigenous peoples, like every other part of the justice system. And even before we started chatting, I just typed in Beyond Scared Straight into YouTube, and all of the results that came up, the entire first page contained thumbnails of Black children crying or being abused. And it's just like, I don't know what to make of that, but it was kind of like whether or not the balance of racial representation still exists in like the more recent iterations of these. Like- oh, definitely not. And like, I know um, I'm Armenian, but I'm white presenting. So like people assume that I'm white and I'm very much a minority in the high school that I went to. Almost everybody in my class is black. So like, right. of course, that is yes. that that is 100% what they're going for here. Yeah. Even if the more recent TV series is still like whether or not they're bothering to like show racial diversity, what people are consuming on YouTube seems to be like still about abusing black people. <laughs> so that is the YouTube algorithm, right? It'll lead you to, I don't know, Sargon of Akkad or some other white nationalist uh, garbage or black people being abused. Actually, that would be very interesting to see what it leads you to from those videos. The top response was, Oh boy, I would not read those comments. Oh, oh, some okay. So some of them were actually pretty good. I was surprised. Someone got nuance in my YouTube comment section. This was not. An, this is not a clip about the Balkans. Yeah. No. <laughs> and so the top result on YouTube literally had a thumbnail of a black child crying, and then in big white text underneath said, "Funniest moments." Oh my god. <laughs> Which of course made me uh. laugh because that's fucking depraved. Oh my god. Making a fucking trauma sizzle reel. Yes! Jesus Christ. Yes! You can, it's like the fucking Ralph Wiggum. You can pinpoint the moment that this kid <laughs> got lifelong trauma. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Look in the tunk, but the tunk is the county jail. It's unfortunate. There was testimony from an academic who conducted an evaluation of the juvenile awareness program at Rahway. From his study involving 46 children who went through the Scared Straight program against 35 children who served the whole group, he found that the program had no deterring effect. So, Joe, given that there was congressional testimony stating that the claims made in the documentary were fraudulent and there was evidence to demonstrate that Scared Straight programs were ineffective, You'd imagine they'd put the kibosh on them, right? No, this is America. Science is lib shit. <laughs> Gonna crank that up to fucking 11. Yeah, of course they were like, okay, that's nice, sir. Let's keep going with where we're going. I think it's because like one of the things that we're very good at here is ignoring any sense of reality, especially more recently, uh, as long as the the replacement reality makes us feel good. It, and me as a well-adjusted adult, uh, arguably, uh, like, you know, I wouldn't do things that would make me get yelled at. I mean, I was in the army for almost 10 years. I'm, I'm conditioned to not do things that make me yell at, get yelled at. And most adults are the same thing. Like, well, certainly 
I wouldn't do that because I'll get yelled at by an angry man with a badge who might shoot me. So, but like, so they're, you know, they're replacing all, they're putting all of these thoughts in like children's heads, which do not process things the same way. Like, why don't you act like I do, the adult? (laughs) I love that you kind of like, uh, like intuitively know this because like that actually does kind of sum it up. I'll probably get to it a bit later, but one of the reasons it has continued to fail is just full theory failure. Like it's based on the idea that children are capable of rational thought, are capable of weighing risk and reward. Like fucking adults are barely capable of that. Why? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, depending on your conditions. And it's honestly baffling. You know, the age of criminal responsibility in Australia is 10 years old. Holy fuck. Yeah. That's obscene. It's disgusting. And kind of as you said before, the literacy and intellectual ability of a lot of people who are targeted by criminal justice system, they are functionally barely even 10. And I'm going to go I'm going to go on a limb here, putting on my the fact that I was born and raised in a white supremacist settler colonial nation and assume that most of these children are not white. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah there we go. Yeah, yep. That's of the course, Australia yeah. that I know. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we are like baby, baby America. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's not your fault. <laughs> Blame the British. Yeah. So kind of getting onto the efficacy of scared straight programs, because this is my overall question, do scared straight programs work? And in case it's not clear, no, they fucking don't. We do have numbers to back that up too. Remember the first Michigan program I kind of mentioned before from the 60s? Mm-hmm. The evaluation of that, showed a reoffending rate of 43% from the experimental group compared with 17% from the control group. So already from the first ever recorded evaluation of scared straight programs, we're seeing that the people who went through the program reoffended at a higher rate. Since then, no evaluations have found a statistically significant deterring effect of scared straight programs. Like none have found that. With some noting that scared straight programs may even increase offending rates after they engage with the program. Interesting. Yeah. And so one explanation for this, because, you know, you don't want to put a fucking causal link with these things, but there is a potential explanation, and that this is in labeling theory. So when we label a child as being at risk, we impact the way that, not only like the the way that other people view that child, but we impact the way that that child views themselves. Mm. To have children go through a hostile environment where they're being called worthless and a grub by the adults around them, even without considering their regular environments, we risk having those children identify with those negative labels that are freely given to them. And I don't know about you, Joe, but like even though I didn't personally have any contact with the criminal justice system, I certainly have been labeled as a bunch of things just given where I grew up. And you kind of feel like being like, well, fuck you, I'll show you then. Give me a reason to show you. Oh, God, yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's half of my life. Uh, like. Mm-hmm. When you when you're labeled, I mean, criminal record aside, because that never really impacted me, uh, because I'm white. Yeah. But um, and I, honestly, I was lucky just to never catch a felony. Uh, but you know, when you grow up in the area that I grew up in, and other people hear that, they're like, oh, and and like, uh, it's 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 always like now I laugh about it, but you know, I'm also not a self conscious eighteen or seventeen or. 
15 year old, you know, uh, I didn't, yes. that's not my personality anymore. But when you're raised in a situation where nobody's there for you, because if you're lucky, one parent, most, some people don't even have that. Uh, but like you identify mm-hmm. with where you grew up, your group of friends. And like, if, if, if you're really unlucky, you fall in with a gang. So like, you internalize these labels to the point that if somebody comes at you a certain way, like, well, I mean, they expect me to act that way. I might as well. Absolutely. And I I find it really disturbing that this sort of program was also just like targeted at children generally at your school, because it's like, I mean, I don't agree with this, even if a child has committed an offense, but to have people who have not even done anything, it's just by fucking, you know, lottery of birth that they in Detroit in this school in this class that they're being called at risk like that's so fucking dangerous yeah if you went one zip code to the left or right this shit didn't happen like if you were from the suburbs of Detroit you didn't experience this but like if you were from uh, I was from a place called Chaldean town within the city so like you know we were considered like part of the city uh, rather than the suburbs that broke away so we didn't anybody outside of like their area code is escaping me right now but like they absolutely didn't go through this Uh, it was specifically targeted on certain neighborhoods that populate these schools, which are now much more fucked up since they closed down so many schools. But it was 100% targeted uh, for reasons I'm not entirely sure of other than racism. I mean, like I was a racial minority in my neighborhood for the most part, but like there there's multiple different uh, minorities in Detroit, Polish, Chaldean, Armenians, Arabs, and then, uh, you know, white people, obviously. But then, you know, they mm-hmm. made sure, like, they targeted these impoverished areas that we were all go to school, be the minority uh, with the majority of black kids because they were targeting the black kids. It wasn't because they were targeting us. Of course. So labeling theory may be an explanation for why scared straight programs kind of, like, exacerbate rates of reoffending. A, a good example of that for people who are trying to, like, envision what that might be like is, like, how many people from, say, Detroit do you know have an Old English D tattooed on them? Or someone that's from, like, L.A. has L.A. tattooed somewhere on them? It's not because we're fans of the fucking huh. sports teams. No, no, that's very interesting. That's sort of, like, identifying yeah. with that. You kind of have to. Like, I'm, I don't know about you, so, like, my hometown's called Deception Bay. I'm allowed to trash talk it. If anyone else does, like, you fucking Oh, 100%. Out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I, I feel a level of guilt for having escaped as well as relief but i also want better for the people who are still there they deserve it like people do yeah nobody nobody deserves to grow up in the areas that they're just like so deprived and it, and i mean i still have a measure of pride from being from detroit for reasons i can't fully explain but like yes. I, i'm still super defensive over the city you survived it <laughs> Yeah, I, I survived it. I mean, I'm also very, very defensive over the city because, like, nobody else is. Yeah. The only people who give a fuck about the city are the people from the yeah. city. The people who will constantly come in and tell me that, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. It's it's such a nice place. And when they go on to watch the fucking football mm-hmm. game or watch a hockey game and then they immediately leave. Yes. This is full of neighborhoods of people that don't have basic trash collection, electricity, yeah. or sewage. You know, it's like... No, motherfucker. Like, there's a reason why we break into your car. There's a reason why we mug yeah. you. Because we don't have any yeah. money. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> I'm on one. <laughs> so while it's difficult to say why these programs may increase offending rates, it's not at all difficult to say why they do not work. Essentially, it's a full theory failure. These programs are implemented as intended. So, you know, when it comes to crime prevention, one way that you can evaluate a program, whether or not it works, is comparing the plan of the, of the program 
and comparing it to the implementation and whether you followed it. Well, fucking scan straight programs were implemented as intended because all you're doing is screening at children. These programs are implemented based on a criminological perspective that is purely ideological, does not consider the social, environmental and economic factors that may influence a child to offend. And it's just simply not backed by evidence. Something that I am very interested by is that evidence indicates that children age out of petty offending and no intervention is better than criminal justice intervention. So if you just leave kids to just kind of be a bit naughty, most of them will kind of get bored and just, you know, kind of grow whatever piece of the brain is that makes you not want to do something that will have someone yell at you. Like you eventually just grow up. Right. I mean, it's like telling kids not to do something, then they're immediately going to go do it. I mean, like, don't do drugs. Like, fuck you. I'm going to do drugs. Uh, yeah, no, like, you're right. <laughs> that anybody, it's kind of incredible. It's all of the ideas that you learn. I mean, I don't have children. I probably never will. But like, it's all of the things I always hear my friends say regarding their children is like, obviously yelling at them doesn't work because, you know, then they turn oppositional mm-hmm. or like, you know, that's the reason why the just say no campaign didn't work is you can't tell kids just not, you have to explain things to them because they are mm-hmm. people, but they know that these things don't work in their homes, but they're going to work by like doing them in a jail. Yeah, that's real. It's like <laughs> kind of outsourcing the worst type of parenting. Also interesting that you brought that up because a lot of the literature that I read for this was comparing it to the you know like the dare programs like just say no and like yeah like okay sure it was a rational thought to try drugs that's all it was like yeah i mean i also the same era as dare i was i had to go through that and as like you know having a singing dancing mascot tell me if i do weed only once my dick will fly off and explode (laughs) it is like oh yeah if you start doing drugs you're uh you're gonna be sucking dicks in an alley i have like my man i've been i'm just copping a cigarette behind the school and you know it's just like all of these they just refuse to treat kids like they're functioning humans so they just treat them the worst possible yeah. way despite the fact that dare programs universally increased drug usage they did them for like a decade are you kidding yeah i i know what dare is just kind of surface level but I, it's interesting to hear that they didn't work or they made things worse because it's like again it's the same ideology Yes, and it's having the same fucking effect. I think the reason why, obviously, I'm not a scientist, I'm a historian, but like the reason why, from my personal experience sitting through a dare class, is it tells you things are bad without ever explaining why. So they're like, "Fuck, I've heard like I've heard all about these things. I'm gonna go try them because like you know, like Mm. of course, I I think weed and a lot of drugs are perfectly fine." However, like nobody is explains you why you shouldn't do meth or whatever, you know, yeah. um, or like don't right. take your dad's pills. It, it's a lot like teaching kids that you can't do certain things because like you'll go to hell, right? Like it, it doesn't work. Right. It's not actually justifying it. Like it's not a satisfactory justification. And, you know, again, sort of as you said, like if we're treating children as human beings, like children are super curious and do want to know why. Like, that's why there's, like, the whole thing of, like, kids asking, why, why, why? Well, they want to know. So if you explain, like, hey, actually, like, you risk really hurting yourself. Well, you know, maybe there are some sort of, like, unintended consequences of, you know, I am I personally, I don't do anything other than drink beer and, and very rarely smoke a joint because I, 
I'm very aware that my brain is so sensitive to chemicals that like if I try anything, I'm really putting myself at risk. And I just, that won't scare everyone off, but having a satisfactory explanation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't do much of anything because I know I really enjoy drugs and it'll be a problem for me. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think one of the main problems with D.A.R.E. is like, it introduced, like, I never heard about half these fucking drugs before D.A.R.E. Like, I knew what crack was, I knew what weed was, but they told me about all of these new drugs and then didn't really explain why I shouldn't do them other than, like, the cops will arrest me. Like, well, the cops already fucking arrest me. And if you're forbidding it, it kind of sounds like it might be a bit fun. Yeah, it sounds kind of rad. I'm going to go do ecstasy. And, like, that's, like, because I was a fucking teenager. Of course that's how my brain worked. Yeah, and it's kind of like, not long ago, I did like an assignment on pill testing campaigns in Australia because we have a lot of deaths at festivals. Mm. People taking pills, which has allowed for the expansion of police powers so you can strip search 12-year-olds in public. We, we love to have an unaccountable paramilitary that uh, they can do whatever they want, don't we, folks? It's great. You know, you have these campaigns saying, please don't have these pills, but you can also create a space for them where it's like, okay, even if you decide to, we will help you through it. And it's like, even with crime i mean we know that kids are going to push boundaries but by it resulting in a traumatic experience you're not helping i mean it's like the same idea of um uh needle disposal points like i came from seattle uh before i moved so like there was uh needle exchanges and safe injection uh, spots is a very 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 uh controversial thing despite the fact literally every study says they're a good idea Uh, obviously there's significantly less syringes on the ground significantly less overdoses and deaths and not to mention they help people quit if they want yeah so but of course because this is bad you're helping people do drugs quote unquote they're all shut down mm-hmm. wait what they all they all shut down like the covid or just in general oh the state oh, the city killed them because the city's full of nimbies what? yeah i think there might be one or two surviving ones but they're not long uh for this world oh that's fucking bleak Evidence indicates that children sort of age out of petty offending and that no intervention is better than coercive interventions. Despite the unambiguous body of empirical evidence spanning decades, Arnold Shapiro, the bloke who made the Scared Straight documentary and then went on to make the A&E show Beyond Scared Straight, well, he dismisses all of this work and states that the only accurate studies that are actually being done on 21st century programs are mine. On my shows, and he characterizes the 1999, 20 years later release of Scared Straight as the longest study ever done. Fucking delusional. Uh, the Friends reunion isn't a scientific experiment, my man. <laughs> oh god, yeah, Twin Peaks: The Return is actually the longest experiment ever done. <laughs> but you know, if we're being honest about the results of this longest study ever done. It's not promising. While not all participants could be reached in the 1999 release of The Scared Straight 20 years later, after starring in the original documentary, some participants that they could interview, like they have varying degrees of success in life. Again, that's another criticism of Scared Straight programs is that they don't have a clear view of what success of this program looks like. Some studies declared that it was a minor success because some people didn't reoffend within three months. <laughs> Jesus, that's a low bar. Yeah, exactly. Some people in this 20-year reunion sort of documentary were shown to be living on the straight and narrow. Some admitted to engaging in a few petty crimes. Some had been back to prison. 
However, these outcomes were all self-reported. And in 2010, one of the participants who said he was doing pretty well in life was convicted for rape and murder of a neighbor. And he did this only four years after he starred in the, the, the 70s documentary. I mean, I know that this is only one instance, but it's kind of like even looking at the academic literature, you can't rely on self-report. No, of course you can't. It's like, <laughs> uh, there's a reason why oral uh, resources and even history have to be collaborated with something else. Like people fucking lie. Absolutely. People lie. Yeah, of course. Like, if you ask me in, like, pleasant conversation, like, so, uh, Joe, you've been arrested? Nope, never. Nope. <laughs> fucking prove it wrong. And fucking fair enough, too, because people are going to attach all these, like, things to you if you tell the truth. Yeah, of course. I mean, and granted, I'm sure this guy wasn't going to be like, yeah, I'm a serial rapist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, like, you know, if he was if he was breaking laws between them, he knew this shit was going to be on TV because he'd already been on TV. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, I'm a successful entrepreneur or something. <laughs> I've never done any crimes. Never. What's a crime? Never heard of us. Come on, man. That 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 is one hundred percent the result of someone starting a, a quote unquote study with the result already in mind. Yes, absolutely. Like they already they they knew the result that they were going to and worked backwards from there. I've got a background in science and social studies, so I'm open to like all sorts of methodologies, but. You can't just trust people on what they're saying. Come on, man. This study is called Honesty is Not the Best Policy, actually. (laughs) One paper I read noted that while the participants were goaded into crediting the scared straight program for their desistance from a life of crime 20 years later, some of these people had engaged in activities that are like sort of casually linked the systems anyway i mean besides aging out which is like marriage religion meaningful employment but then the paper said a military service and i was like oh <laughs> oh yeah that's the next stop after you become a uh, juvenile delinquent is the recruiting <laughs> office i can tell you from firsthand experience like i don't know how it is in uh, in australia or anything but like for the most part assuming you don't cop a felony uh you can get into the military and get the fuck out of whatever town that you grew up in in the u.s okay so that's the fucking hill i'll die on too is the like shitting on people who join the military and i'm like you don't fucking know what it's like if you're given one opportunity to potentially fucking you know actually have health insurance for a part of your life oh my god like i'm not gonna begrudge anyone yeah i don't i don't know how to say to or talk to anybody who who believes in that other than like look you just fucking if you hate the military hate the military i don't fucking care but like don't sugarcoat it with mm-hmm. other like super flurious reasons why you hate the military, I, mm-hmm. I I hate the military for very personal reasons. Uh, however, if someone from my old neighborhood is like, "Dude, I don't know how to get the fuck out of here," I'm talking to a recruiter. Yes. Oh, how hypocritical would it be for me to try to talk them out of it? The only thing I'll do is like get a paper pushing job and out of harm's way. Unlike me. It's really hard to explain to someone, especially people from a more privileged background, that not having health care, not having all of these other things, um, no chance of higher education despite being good, like even having decent grades. Like the first time I went to the dentist was in the military. I was 17 years old. I got like I got my second pair of glasses ever, which I am dependent on because of the military. 
is it bad? Should I have gone to Afghanistan? Fuck no. But like the other option was probably prison or dying. And then people will be like, well, you know, statistically the people joining the military are like not from these backgrounds. And I'm like, so fucking what? But there still are people yes. who do join for this reason. It's an out. Is it a bad institution? <laughs> yes. Does that mean that we should not take advantage of it when there's literally nothing else? No. Like what else are you supposed like are you going to like take out $50,000 in student loans for them so they can go to school? I bet you're fucking not. Are you going to make sure they get three meals a day? I bet you're fucking not. And you know, like, and, and I'm coming from Australia where we do have Medicare and we do have like a loan program where you don't have to fucking pay it back until you earn over a certain amount of money, like your education. But even there, we still have people who, like, unless you come from a poor background, you don't understand how bleak, like, it is to, to see your life in front of you and like here are my options yeah like it, I, i'm sure you understand but it's like my options are so fucking limited i'm gonna take the best one presented to me uh, like, yeah 100 if, if if there was like some conservation core that still exists and that was an option sure yeah. maybe i would have tried that but there's literally nothing and like there's probably someone listening like well i knew the military industrial complex was bad when i was 15 Congratulations. Um, I hope you enjoy the same liberal arts degree that I got through my benefits. Exactly. It's like both things can be true, guys. Yes. Yeah, and it's it's not like we don't know that. We're poor. We're not stupid. Yeah. Like and that that's another thing is like people people truly believe that like they're enlightened or something because they know these things. I almost everyone I knew knew that the war was stupid, that the army is mm-hmm. generally badly run, but like okay, it doesn't matter how badly run it is. We still get our benefits at the end of the day. And you don't even have to retire. You only got to do like three years. <laughs> and, you know, and the fucking onus on that, it's not on individuals to not sign up to the military. It's for the fucking system to provide everyone else with the ability to get out of their circumstances without joining the military. Yes. I don't have a lot of time for people who, who aren't from poor background having a go at low SES people for just taking what they can yeah it's it's pretty shameful it speaks of just unacknowledged unrequited privilege and i i'm sorry that reading theory and huffing your own farts didn't give me a college education (laughs) look hoops among us does not love to do that (laughs) it doesn't pay the bills (laughs) so sadly talking about sort of current day scared straight programs we don't know how prolific they are and part of this is because like while reputable crime prevention and youth justice bodies emphatically oppose the use of scared straight programs and they like if you go to websites and be like please try and use one of these other programs we have they say like local police and sheriff departments are known to still take kids through jails because some local police and sheriff departments do still engage in some sort of form of scared straight program it's very informal and so there's no way to sort of like gather data to measure the impact that these tours continue to have on children well if there's one group of people i trust to do science it's cops (laughs) yeah yeah no (laughs) so i've mostly talked about the us here because that is where scared straight programming them from but i will note that it was international and that um, there are certainly programs everywhere from Australia to Norway to Canada, even to this day, because you can't get rid of that neo-lib ideology. It doesn't even have to be neo-lib, like, just that classical idea that deterrence theory in context of, like, 
jail works and it doesn't it, it, it certainly speaks of like the i mean conservatives do this too absolutely but like conservative and neoliberal and liberal uh tendency to as society develops problems their solution is always just sprouting more cops and getting them involved in ways oh my god uh it's it's oh. like the same reason that why like in new york city there's like sanitation police you know, it's like at What's that? It, literally garbage truck cops. What? Yeah, I swear to God. Someone I've recorded with quite frequently, uh, Alice Caldwell Kelly, uh, came up with a very funny theory that uh, as society grows, it simply develops cops like polyps. Uh, oh my just God. to try to like shove them in wherever they have a problem that they don't want. Because every problem has a has a reason, has an institutional and systemic reason of why it occurs. Mm-hmm. Nothing occurs in a vacuum. But instead of doing the hard work of fixing that problem, like cops, why not police? So we have jails for children. <laughs> we, you know, we have cops in school. We have like all of these things. And it's like, how can we plug cops into this problem? No, you're so right. And like, I mean, I didn't know about sanitation police. That's, that's pretty fucking egregious. But like even our response to COVID has been increasing the presence of cops. Yeah. And increasing their police powers. But we're not paying people to stay home. Of course we not. Do that. No, that's communism. Exactly. Oh my fucking God. Side note, have you read the Jakarta Method? Yes. Oh, I finished it today. Holy shit. Holy shit. That's all I have to say for that. But um, Welcome to the enlightened reading of, of, of genocide studies. <laughs> Isn't it great? Oh, man. There, there's some arguments regarding the definition of genocide and how it fits into uh, political mm. classes. And I'm, I'm, on the, I'm, a fen- I'm on the fence about declaring it that as well. Uh, and I'm certainly not a scholar in the field. But same methodology. Oh, oh yeah. It's um, their cousins, at least. At the very oh, least. Yeah. Yes. They're cousins who are uncomfortably close. <laughs> It's a fucking Rudy Giuliani uh, level. (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) With this episode, it was my intention to draw attention to fraudulent claims made in the Scared Straight documentaries and the Beyond Scared Straight TV series. And I obviously wanted to have you on because it's very easy to talk about these things in the abstract, but I think it's really important to have people's personal experiences um, spoken about as well. You certainly gave a very interesting perspective from Detroit as well. <laughs> I always think it's interesting to see how these things spread across the world and how they get like our, our own little regional flavors, if you will. Yes, um, yes. Because we, we always take the worst ideas possible and then tweak them ever so much so they're more uh, appetizing to our, col- our, our own local cultures. Though I know American and Australian culture isn't the same, but it kind of is. For example, I remember reading about like a Hawaiian-based scared straight sort of thing. And it's like they knew that like whatever sort of political or social climate was happening at the time when they implemented this specific program, they sort of peeled back like the hostility. Like they're still taking kids through these all-day prison programs, but like they're sort of like, okay, well, we know that like people aren't going to respond well to having their kids screamed at here, so we're not going to do that. I I find it very alarming, especially that, your experiences were like more or less this like sign of permission to slip and you're going to jail because the different programs it's like they would only take kids on scared straight programs if it was like decided by a judge yeah and i think it speaks to the like the, the fear of crime present in detroit where like they were just taking entire fucking classes when it comes to like crime prevention like things should be developed the context that they're in but like if the foundational theory is flawed it's never gonna work 
So I also wanted to like underscore that evidence gets great crime prevention programs. They just don't work. And we have known this all along since the first ever evaluation in Michigan in 1969. Nice. Nice. And um, there was a fucking congressional inquiry into it. The evidence was there. It's always been there. And yet we still use them because the moral panic surrounding children is still there. I want to encourage people to reconsider their language when it comes to youth crime generally. In the work that I do, I choose to take the lead from far more accomplished and knowledgeable people in criminology and youth justice who push for abolition of coercive youth justice crime prevention programs as a whole. And so, like, I'll post links to some literature in the show notes, but we know that coercive measures don't reduce crime, and we know that children often grow out of petty offending behavior. And finally, I want to draw attention to the fact that, like, I have tried to use the word child or children wherever possible in this episode instead of youth, because when we talk about youth, we often invoke ideas of delinquency and that it's a problem. When reading news about the bills that are being passed to deal with criminal youth. I ask people to try and read it in their mind, but change the word youth to the word child. And suddenly you might start to realize how fucking deranged our approaches are to children who offend. For example, my state, criminal responsibility is 10 years old, and our child detention centers are so full that children are being put in solitary adult lockup next to fucking known pedophiles. That's insane. It's fucking bonkers. So that's my, that's, that's basically my high horse. Thank you so much for chatting with me about this. I think that you offered some really, you offered really good insight. I guess my closing thoughts would be like, I know in Australia, you all don't have this anymore, but like the United States will still have capital punishment, uh, depending on the state, obviously. And despite all evidence to the contrary, despite numerous studies going back since uh, the founding of our nation, because it's always been there, um, that it does not work as a deterrent. Uh, but people still do it because it feels like it makes them safer. The only thing any of these things have ever done is continually give more and more power to the state. Now the state can kill you, and now the state wants to raise your children, like within jails. Like all, all you're doing is introducing them to the criminal justice system before they're teenagers, uh, which is just fucking baffling to me. But yeah, I'm 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 the host of the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. We talk about. Military history failures, uh, crimes against humanity, insanity from military history, uh, mostly because I, you know, in, my, in my school of thought, uh, human history is driven by, unfortunately, military means. And a lot of those means are very stupid and should be mocked. I also have, uh, if you're into sci-fi, I am a sci-fi author. Recently, my series Mercifully uh, finished. You can find it on... Amazon, wherever you buy books. It's called the Liberty of Death series. The last one is called Victory or Death. And, or you could just look me up. I'm Joe Kasabian. Probably the only one you'll find on the internet. But yeah, it was, this is definitely like, I'm, I'm not normally on podcasts like this, but this is very interesting to me. Uh, it's also very nice oh. to not be the one that had to research this. But yeah, no, thank you so much. I, I really appreciated it. And you're welcome back anytime. Okay, bye. Bye.